You're listening to the Solar Disruption Theory Podcast. Step inside some of the most forward-thinking minds in solar today. This show explores a deeper side of solar each month as Freedom Forever leaders sit down with CEOs, activists, and other solar experts to break the solar industry wide open. We'll discuss solar trends, news, and everything you need to know about how you can join us on the path of disruption. This is the Solar Disruption Theory. Hey everyone, welcome to the Solar Disruption Theory Podcast. I'm Sean McCready and with me as always is Freedom Forever VP of Marketing, Jules Roberts. Hello there. Good morning and how are you? Great. Good. Today we're joined by co-founder of Modernize Home Services, Chris Palatroni. Home improvement is all about having the right tools and Modernize has got you covered. Modernize Home Services has the goal to offer the best resources to bring your home upgrades to life. They do this by providing quality educational content to inspire ideas and by connecting you with their network of industry-leading contractors to get projects done. Chris, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be with both of you guys again. So you're joining us from uh, Northern California. Yeah, I'm uh, tucked into Sonoma County. So for those that aren't local, I'd say the, the wine country of Northern California. And if uh, you're familiar with the terrain, I'm in Santa Rosa. That's great. So the wine country of Northern California meets the wine country of Southern California because we're down here in Temecula, the beautiful wine country down here. That's so awesome. Uh, have you been there for a long time? You a native, a native of, of Northern California? I am. It's uh, it's one of those funny things. I, I grew up here, and uh, you know, my 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 childhood. I'd say probably from two to probably eighteen, nineteen years old. And you know, I think like a lot of people, you're like, you know, I've been here, done that. Time to go uh, go somewhere else. And it was funny because I, I left for probably about eight years, and by the time we had our second child, we moved right back hometown. So I live literally. Uh, you know, in, in my hometown, so I've, all my kids will will go to the same high school. And that's amazing. That's so cool. That's so cool. Weird. So yeah, definitely familiar with this area to say the least. That's awesome. So um, when you know, looking into your your background, it looks like you've got a crazy passion for home improvement. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, I think like some passions, you you don't necessarily see them creeping up on you. So when 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 I first got into this business, it was way back in the day, um, and I was finishing my education with a degree in finance and economics. <clears throat> and then I had met the the two other founders of this company, Jason Polka and Gabe Luna, um, at the kind of the tail end of my you know, college career, if you will. And that really kind of set the seed for the home improvement industry. Uh, for those of you who don't know, companies like Varsity Painting and College Works and Student Works are internship painting companies sprinkled throughout the country. Okay. Uh, really giving youth the opportunity to kind of get into the home improvement industry, but but more importantly, learn how to run a business. And that's kind of where we all originated from. And so, yeah, man, it's crazy to think almost a couple of decades ago is uh, when I started in this. <laughs> yeah, now, now I seem to know a fair amount about leads and uh, home improvement contracting. Okay. So tell me a little bit about Modernize and the history behind the company. The way it actually all happened, um, and it was, it was fairly organic in the sense of, um, when I was finishing up my degree in college, um, as I mentioned, we 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 met up with uh, Jason and Gabe, and that was kind of the the intersection of us getting to know each other. And it was through that internship um, construction company. Once again, it was a residential yeah. painting company. 
And so the very first business we were in together right before this one uh, was varsity painting. And I was one of the lucky people in Sonoma County that got to knock on all the doors and ask people, would you like your house painted? And if so, let me give you an estimate. And I really just taught you like super, super guerrilla marketing. Um, now that I think about it, they were actually just leveraging our youth and our energy, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it worked. So, uh, you know, we, we did that. Um, we all got an opportunity to kind of run a mini painting company, if you will. And at the conclusion of that painting company, uh, Jason Polka, which is the CEO or was the CEO, I should say, of Modernize, uh, was a VP of that company, gave Luna, who was his business partner, was a general manager of that company. And then they had approached me and said, hey, uh, let's start a lead gen company. Um, and so the name of that company and it's, uh, when it started was called CalFinder. Okay. Um, and then it morphed into home improvement leads like you know, eight years after that, and then it morphed into modernized. <laughs> it, it definitely grew, if you will, uh, to a more national brand, um, but it was super cool. Um, you know, we got a, we got to build a business. I mean, it was mm-hmm. traditional plyboard desk sitting in a bedroom, yeah. you know, rotary phone, knocking on doors, uh, you know, believe it or oh, not. the good we old the days. The good old days, right. <laughs> oh, you know, and, and in all honesty, you know, I got boys in, 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 in grade school and, you know, I'm not a knock on traditional education, but we all should knock on doors. We all should be forced to call cold call. Um, I mean, the humility that it brings and for those people that are capable of connecting dots, I mean, it changes the game or your life trajectory in the long term. So, um, no, that's yeah, a, so, so basically yeah. it all got started with just a couple of guys saying, hey, we want to generate leads for contractors. It's tough to run a business. It's tough to get leads mm-hmm. and we think we can do it. And, you know, next thing you know, you know, a decade passes and just keep banging your head on the wall. Eventually the wall collapses and here you are. (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of our audience can relate to that because as you know, from our last conversation, you know, we have our independent authorized dealers. So a lot of them do that same kind of grassroots where they go door knocking and, you know, they interact with customers on a face-to-face basis. Now there's a lot more done digitally because of COVID and everything. But yeah, that's, it's definitely an industry that's still alive, kicking and doing yeah, great. Absolutely part of the DNA of solar. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. You know, I think a lot of people in general get started that way. I mean, you look at Vivint Solar, one of the biggest players in the, the entire solar space. And, you know, their business model up until the last couple of years was, you know, and no, no surprise to anybody, it was knocking on doors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have a publicly traded company right. knocking on doors to get business. <laughs> like, I mean, it's like it's not it's not the super funnest job. I'll, I'll give you that. I mean, you get good at it, hire people to do it, but it's effective. Yeah. yeah. And I think that was probably the one thing I remember of all of the uh, the time I knocked on doors. And you know, I did it for about seven months, at least in the painting company, and then I, I ran our canvassing team for the first couple of years. But there was one particular event that really brought it all to fruition for me. And it took me a couple of years to really capture it. And this was the point of the program. And it's really the reality of a business is you get to a point when you run a business where you need to keep selling to keep your production going. Mm-hmm. And you run into this delicate balance of if I can't sell fast enough, then I'm going to have my production idle. And you certainly got into that in the painting company. So the way the painting company worked is you'd have to book 50,000 in sales before you would start your first production. Mm-hmm. And the idea was gotcha. you'd have a backlog and then you could kind of, you know, hopefully just stay in front of it. But I mean, let's be honest, not everybody wants their house painted the second they say yes to it. And so you right. run into these gaps in production and, and you've got real people that you'll you'll yeah. have to let go and not pay. And that's, yeah. a, that's a big deal. So I remember this one lady in particular, I needed a job and one week. 
I'm, I'm a kid. I'm like 18. Like I'm a baby. You know, I'm thinking like, <laughs> I need a job in a week. I got to fire my, my, my people. So we're knocking on doors. And I remember getting this lead on a Thursday. And it was this lady in Petaluma, a shingled house. Um, and I gave her an S. I got got the lead on Thursday, and then I was like, "Hey, can I can I come to your house?" I'll, you know, I had to call her back first of all, so I called her on Friday, and then I was like, "I give you an estimate on Saturday," and I did, and it was like seven eight thousand dollars. And I'm like thinking, I'm a kid. I'm like, does she have seven eight thousand dollars? Like she wasn't expecting me to knock on her door, right? And on Sunday, I offered her a little bit of a discount, and she said yes. And I offered her a discount because I needed her to start on Monday. And, and we started the job and it wasn't the best job in the world in the sense that she was a little bit of a crazy client and you certainly paid for that. <laughs> um, but what it did teach me was, wow, like here was somebody that wasn't expecting me to knock on their door. And I did. Mm-hmm. And I called her back and I gave her an estimate and I asked for her business and she wrote me a check for $8,000. That is a game changer because there's no point in my life, regardless of what I do, I'll be like, ah, oh, dude, it's it's not that hard. I mean, you just got to convince them and give you a little bit of money. And so I think for any contractor out there that that is looking at growing their business, like it is that easy. Sometimes we make it so much more complicated, but it is that easy. That was probably one of the most powerful lessons I learned on knocking on doors. That's amazing. <laughs> and what a what a win for an 18 year old. Oh yeah. <laughs> What a win for a 30-year-old. I, I was nervous. I was nervous. I sweat bullets. So I was like, oh, she has to say yes. <laughs> no, but going back to a point that you had said, because, you know, freedom, like a lot of solar companies have that where it's almost a seasonal thing, like where people are out during the summer, because there are a lot of younger people that are selling. So they'll, in right. college, it's like, okay, while I'm not in school, I can go out. So I know in back in the day, that was a trend, so it was almost a seasonal thing. So like you right. said, then in the winter, you're, you know, if you don't make those sales, then you kind of run short on the projects later on. So that's, you know, that's why Brett actually brought in then that social media yeah. and, you know, other ways of marketing. So that way it's, it's a, a constant funnel, I'll say, yeah. Of, yeah. of leads coming in. So it's important to your note to diversify the marketing. And I yeah. think that's what, Freedom has done really good. So curious to learn a little bit more about Modernize and you know how you guys how you guys work and, and the whole dynamics behind behind your business plan. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I'd say at its most simplistic level, it's Match.com for contracting. I mean, it's it, it it's not meant <laughs> to that. be more complicated than that. I mean, yeah. it, there, not there is Tinder, more not Tinder. It's not the swiping. It's the match. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I mean, there there are homeowners out there looking to get projects on their house. Mm-hmm. And as many contractors as there are, it's it's a cumbersome process. Um, and there's some questions I think you guys will ask me that I'll, I'll dive into a little bit deeper. But yeah, I mean, it's, on its basic level, you know, from the painting company, it was like, wow, we were a really large painting company. We got up to about 15 million in sales. And as large as we got are the inhibitor to our future success with leads. We just mm-hmm. couldn't get enough. As many doors as we knocked on, and as many lawn sizes as we had sprinkled throughout the, the, the cities we worked, we could not get enough leads. And we realized that this was a stumbling block for a lot of companies as well. Right. And so we just applied some of our, our aggressive guerrilla marketing um, to, to modernize. And, you know, it's changed over the years. At first it was knock on doors to get leads. And, you know, believe it or not, as a tech company, it took us about three years to get a website. 
Um, so it was definitely a slow burn. And over the years, it's more from how we get our leads. But I would say now, at, you know, year 15, we were recently acquired by Quinn Street, one of our competitors. So we are the second largest player in the entire lead space, if you will, for, for residential. We're wow. very specific to certain trades, but it is all digital at this point. So I, I typically say anything with a click of a button we could play ball. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be as simple as a Google search, a banner ad, an article you read. Um, believe it or not, there's tremendous complexity to the digital game. And I think that's where people can get overwhelmed. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it seems like Absolutely. every other day there's some new thing popping up. And I think that's the, the big lesson I've seen over the years. And I don't deal in the marketing, but it's the idea of being adaptive. Right. We don't know in five years what the coolest tech is and where everybody's going to be. I mean, who would have thought YouTube would have been such a high search engine channel, mm-hmm. you know, 10 years ago? Yeah. Um, now it is. And so I think you just got to learn to adapt and go where people are. But yes, at its core, it is matchmaker. So we do service two masters. Um, it's the homeowner side of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is really what I liked a lot about when when I did some research on on, on your guys' company and, and even your background, Jules, is how do you educate the buyer that's coming into the process? Mm-hmm. Right. Like that was very different, you know, when I was a kid, right. It was yellow pages, right. Right. We we flipped through you. You couldn't, you couldn't figure out all those questions you had until you actually talked to the professional. Um, And now, I mean, holy moly, there's too much information out there, Mm -hmm. right? It's, it's, it's overwhelming. And so part of what we do is how do we make it easier to educate and empower the homeowner to the point where they're ready to give us their information and be connected. Right. Right. And that's kind of the formation of the lead. And then on the other side of the equation, which is where I spend disproportionately my time or tenure at Modernize is dealing with the partners we have in the industry, Uh, be it the small contractors, the big ones, the supersized ones. But our job is to help keep their funnel full. Mm -hmm. That's part of it. And then I'd say the other part of that is helping them understand how to get the most out of that funnel. Um, And that's really probably where we shine the most is, you know, putting a bunch of water in your buckets, one thing, plugging up all your holes to make sure the water stays in your bucket, Jules, is a whole different (laughs) We understand that completely. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. So what services do you offer through Modernize uh, to the homeowner? Uh, So for the homeowner, most of it is going to be in the form of education, calculators. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say stuff to get them inspired and educated about their project. You know, the where the rubber hits the road and, and the way we monetize our business model is when a homeowner is at a point where they feel comfortable enough to pass, put their information into our system. Right. Right. You know, that's, Hey, Sean, you know, what's your first name, your last name, what address, what project do you want? Like that's really where once they've made that commitment, which is huge, right? I try to inform contractors, like don't take the leads you get on your website lightly. I mean, think about it. Like, when do you ever feel comfortable putting your information on a website? Right. Um, So you really got to honor that. Like, it takes a lot for someone to feel comfortable putting their email and their phone number out there, even if it is their second or third email. Yeah. Um, We're we're fairly (laughs) guarded with that personal information. Um, So once that happens, that's really where we start the modernized process. Um, The leads will go through some back backdoor like screening scrub phone numbers make sure the name doesn't say humpty dumpty stuff like that and then a lot of it gets through filters and pairs up with the right contractor and the right geo so on a massive level we're looking at the geography all these contractors service the volume they can handle the trades that they do what sources perform well for them i mean there's there's quite an architecture behind the scenes but on the surface level it's match.com it's homeowner finally said yes i'm interested and a contractor express interest in getting more leads for their business. And we're right. just connecting the two of them. And then as far as the contractors are concerned, what services are they able to 
perform or list on your on your site? Yeah, so the contractors uh, for us, the the ones that we focused on traditionally in the modernized business has been four core trades. Okay, so it's window replacement, and this is all on the residential side. Mm -hmm. So we don't service commercial or anything. Okay. So homeowner, think homeowner. Uh, but it's window replacement, um, it's roofing installation, it's HVAC, and it's solar. Okay. Okay. So for over the years, we've oscillated from some other trades. We dabble in siding and kitchens and stuff just because of our size. But our approach has been, you know, let's go a, an inch wide and a mile deep. Mm -hmm. We're not everything to everybody. Um, since we've been acquired by Quinn Street, Quinn Street has other trades, gutters, bathrooms, security, other stuff like that that is now becoming part of the portfolio. Gotcha. But what Modernized traditionally has done is gone really deep in four industries and really build partnerships with all the major players in those industries. I got it. So as you know, as a contractor, what is the process like to become a vendor with you, if you will? Um, typically they'll go, depending on their size, I mean, we try to silo out more just so we can provide the right expertise to the conversation or the client, but they'll go through our sales process, you know, like most companies and, and really what we're looking for in that. Um, and I definitely get heavily involved in the training of that. You know, I think historically it's been, you want to buy leads? Well, we got leads. Right. So let's sell <laughs> right. you leads. Um, and you know, there still is an element of that for sure. What I've come to learn over the years is it's not that simple because everybody needs leads right like we sell water and air it's like every company in the world would 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 die without leads for their business so it's less of a question of do we provide something that would add value to a client now it's more of a conversation of what's your process look like to extract that value mm -hmm. and because you know the core of our business is selling the lead so if you said if, 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 if you were a contractor, Sean, and you said, well, well, what can I buy from you? I'd say, well, you know, you, at the core of it, you could buy a lead, you could buy a transfer. I mean, there's there's products or services we offer to you. But what you're really buying is you're buying our ability to know how to turn that lead into revenue. And that's mm -hmm. not questioning you as a contractor, but I deal with, you know, before the Quinn Street um, acquisition, we're doing three million leads a year. You know, oh, multiply wow. that over, you know, 15 years. Not that we had that many over that, but, and, and not to mention, I deal with a hundred of the country's biggest contractors on a very intimate level. So I can't tell you what Sunrun does or Vivint or Trinity or any of these other big companies, but we have those conversations right? and we get to see what their lead tech ecosystem looks like. And we track the crap out of the data and we get to stack our performance up against other, other vendor. And so we get this very eagle eye view of to well, what actually works. It's kind of like a big experiment in a lot of regards. Yeah. And so we become the hub of all that knowledge. And so my personal opinion is the, the greatest value I can supply to a contractor, it's the know-how to turn what I sell to you into business mm -hmm. and to do it very consistently and scalably. No, that, that makes, yeah. is huge. Yes. That makes so much sense yeah. because we do a lot of that here at Freedom as well. And you know, I'm curious, you know, we were talking about, you know, in the beginning you're you're kind of partnering to partner with people, but we at Freedom are trying to identify now our partners that ladder up to our values. I think that is so important to make sure that you're not just giving a lead to this person because you can. You're right. you're trying to support your customers that come to you and you just say, I yeah, I believe in you and I trust in you to with my information. And you're saying, okay, I've got this painter or a person who can do the windows or whatever. And you're going to give that to them. So I think it means more now that you're actually taking more of an inventory on those those partners. 
and helping them then deliver a better customer experience to then your customers. Right. Yeah. You know, the, the, I think the hardest thing for <clears throat> contractors to appreciate, and, it, and we see it all the time, is, you know, sometimes marketing partners, and that's what we are, we're, we're a marketing company, can be can be considered vendors, right? Where it's it can be a very transactional relationship. And it's not that every relationship has to be filled with Christmas cards and cookies and stuff like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, you you, you will make out of your partnerships what you want to make out of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, going back to that more macro perspective we have, like I, I do get to see the way different leaders handle business, at least as it relates to us. I don't have all the perspectives. Um, and there's a glaring difference as to what makes companies successful. And I would say the leaders in the industry that take a more humble approach as to, you know, and keep in mind, I'm dealing with the alpha males out there. So I'm, I'm not dealing with Chuck in a truck. I mean, I'm not dealing with the guy that just started. I'm, I mean, we're, we're dealing with big companies that are moving yeah. a lot of revenue. Um, and so there's, you know, there's a certain ego that comes with being the pace car. And, you know, but there are a number of CEOs that we interact with that they do take the relationships very seriously. Mm -hmm. You know, we are absolutely a reflection of each other. And so when I think of that homeowner relationship, um, there's only so much we're ever going to be able to do because we do have to at one point hand the baton. And I was thinking of you, Jules, and all the research I, I did on the stuff and, and even our podcast, it, and you guys are the same way, is if you guys generate a lead through the, the, the academy or your podcast or homeowner reaches out to you, if, correct me if I'm wrong, Jules, you're handing that lead over to the contractor mm -hmm. at one point to to you know, see the homeowner through that process. That baton toss, is, you know, how well they treat that lead is a reflection of you guys. Absolutely. And so yeah, absolutely. that's huge. Like we're all in that. So if I pass a lead to three contractors and they don't call or their salespeople rub the homeowner the wrong way or something, like that's a bad experience. Um, and, and so anyways, I'm just always very mindful that it's like, hey, we, we're on the same team. We just work out of different offices. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, and I thought originally coming into solar because I didn't have any solar experience before I came to Freedom. And I thought, you know, naively in the beginning that it was it was kind of only a solar issue. But what you're saying now is it really is a larger issue with construction where you have you know, the lead generator and you have the company that's going to do this thing or you have the salesperson and these are all very different companies because for solar, you know, there's different finance options. Yeah. Those are different brands. There's different lead generations. There's us doing the installation. There's the salesperson who also has their own brand. So right. a customer could actually see a half dozen brands just for one project. Mm -hmm. And it's so confusing and overwhelming because construction, solar, you name it, it's there's a lot of pieces that go into yeah. it. So that's why Freedom Education was so important to us because we want them to feel comfortable. And that that goes back to our, our conversation um, was just giving them all the information they can because they're in they're in for a long journey like a solar journey is a little bit longer and there's a lot of pieces to it so the more comfortable you can make them feel up front and more educated and armed with this knowledge i think the better that experience is for the customer in the end absolutely yeah and you've taken some complex topics too and you've you've i watched all your academy videos and so for anybody that, that that's interested in understanding solar i, I actually uh, i'll probably reach out to you jules I was, I was talking about our podcast with one of my uh one of the presidents I deal with and he was super fascinated and he's like, well, can I meet Jules? And he's in a completely <laughs> different industry. And I was like, I don't know. I'll see though. We'll, we'll but, uh, but yeah, you've, you've taken a complex topic and you've made it simple and you're right. There's, there's so much that homeowners here, here's the short of it. And I've always jokingly said this. Um, 
if I asked you guys what you thought of Nordstrom and you asked 10 people, they'd probably come back to the story of, you know, a lady returning a tire to Nordstrom when Nordstrom didn't sell tires. It's just right. somehow that's the story we remember of Nordstrom. And I've done a lot of research on Nordstrom and their customer service. And, and it's one of the few companies that have taken it to the next level. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's truly taken it to the next level. And I, I, I've jokingly thought to myself over the years, I was like, my God, if Nordstrom got into home improvement, mm-hmm. like it would be a game changer because what a lot of contractors lack, and this isn't a knock. I mean, contractors, they build and construct stuff that is far better than my imagination could ever do. But I would say as an aggregate, what is missing in the industry, and people will figure this out, is is the customer experience mm-hmm. and how to really, really rock that out. We say that every and, day, every yep. single day. That's one of actually the Nordstrom Way is one of my favorite books. And I love that the thing that I took away from that book was to empower your people on the floor. So yeah. it's, and that's why I was saying, like, when, when you ask, like, Jules, what's the simplest thing people can do, you know, for a customer? I'm like, it's have that conversation, listen to them. Yeah. Like, what's concerning to them or what is their pain point? And acknowledging that and delivering on it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the great thing at Freedom that we've been able to do is to give that power to the people to make that customer comfortable in that situation. And I think a lot of people take that for granted. It's don't feel like, oh, I have to go to this manager to go to this manager to go to this manager. Right. We're really trying to structure it so that that customer support rep, if that person's on the call, our goal is single call resolution. We're going to address that mm-hmm. on that call so that customer leaves that phone call feeling better. And it's not, let me call you back after I try to contact 10 different people to get right. you an answer. So I think that's one of the most important things to take away from the Nordstrom way. Yeah, a lot of companies process themselves to death. You mm-hmm. know, it's, oh, got to go to this person before this person and then this. And it's just, but by the time the customer gets an answer, they're so frustrated that they don't even want to do business with you anymore. Mm-hmm. So I, I really appreciate your approach to that because, you know, it lines up with ours. <laughs> Same. Samesies. <laughs> What is what is your like overarching goal when it comes to the customer experience? Because it's obvious that it's just as important to you guys. What, what's your overarching goal? You know, it's it's changed over the years. You know, I would say in the first ten years of our business, maybe in the first twelve, it was very much let's acquire customers, let's get all the big brands on our roster. You yeah, know, let's get them all at the table and. Let's give them as many leads as humanly possible, right? And, and, and through that was sprinkled tremendous goodness and human nature and how do we coach contractors. And over the last couple of years, my role's changed a lot in the company. And it's, it's much more, I'm not the sales guy anymore. I'm not the customer service guy. I mean, I'm kind of a, uh, a midfielder in soccer. I play a little bit of both. And my job is really just to distill as much of my tribal knowledge. And so a lot of the rhetoric I'd say over the last couple of years, and this is really distilled to our sales team and especially our enterprise partner managers, which is the account managers of our biggest, biggest clients. Mm-hmm. The number one thing I'm trying to articulate to everybody is that our goal, like our number one goal in our business should be helping our clients achieve their goal. Mm-hmm. And this is a tough one. So whoever on Modernize listens to this, like they'll, you know, if it's a senior leader, maybe they'll they'll call me after this. But you know, it's <laughs> I'm not I'm not a big fan of let's push and make a push for revenue and let's see if we can sell them more leads. Um, sure, you know, may, maybe that's the right answer. I, I was having a talk with a, a one of our EPMs today, and I we were talking, and she's like, she actually asked me the question today. She's like, I don't know how hard to push, and I was like, and we went through a story, but at the short of it, I was like. 
your job is to find out where they're at and where they'd like to be. Mm-hmm. And then your job is just to figure out like, are they trying to close that gap? How important is it to them? Yeah. If it's really important to them, then you should push really hard if we have a solution that fits it. Mm-hmm. If it's not really important to them, then don't push really hard. Like our job's not to force leads on people. Right. Our job is to help companies grow. Mm-hmm. And so our job to, to help companies grow effectively, and this is how I've always felt personally and professionally, is if you have a goal and there's a delta between your current state and your future state, then I just wanna know, Sean, what are you doing to bridge that gap? How are you closing in on that? What have you tried? Like, how important is it to you? And if you say, hey, it's really important for me to close this gap, then I'm gonna ask you some other questions about your infrastructure, just from my knowledge to make sure that like, is the product I offer truly gonna help you as a business? Mm-hmm. Like right. a lot of contractors think spending 5,000, 20,000, 50,000 a month with us is gonna solve their problems. And it might if they have good processes. Mm-hmm. But if they have bad processes, it's like that bucket with holes in it. No, you shouldn't spend a bunch of money with us. It's gonna, it's gonna leak. You'll never call our leads fast enough. You'll get frustrated. So the first thing is, is do we align on what the goals are? Is there enough motivation there? And if there is, the rest of it is just making sure you understand the recipe and what your right. role would be in it. This is not a sales conversation. I think that's probably the biggest thing I try to articulate is we're not in sales conversations. Like I said, we sell water and air. Right. So it's a given that our clients need what we do. The question becomes is are we a fit? Yeah. And a lot of the way to find that fit is I like to ask questions of like, hey, when something goes wrong, how will we interact with each other? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I don't I, I don't like surprises. Like I, I don't like people calling me angry. And I was like, I'll take every phone call I get from a client, but I like to know how things are going. I like to track things. You know, it's not that we're going to deliver perfect results all the time, but I want to make sure that there's good communication. There's a good foundation of data. Um, but I think all of it really stems with, do they have a goal that that's worthy to achieve? And if they do, then, then yeah, let's push hard and help them. Right. But let's not just sell leads for the sake of selling leads. Yeah. I like that. You, you kind of make them the champion of their own story. Yeah. So it's, you know, if you have a business, you are helping them be successful. Same thing with the customer. And I love like all the resources you have for the customer, taking it back to the customer experiences. Yeah. They're really the champion and their solar story from our perspective. So right. to be able to kind of have that servant leadership that I go back to our values all the time. And, you know, you're there supporting other people achieving their goals. That's and that's just another way that I love how we align on that vision. Yeah, Absolutely. And it is, you know, it's a strange climate right now. And, you know, whether it's situational because of COVID or not, what are some of these challenges that your contractors are seeing that you're helping to solve for? That's a good question. Um, I would say that the biggest challenge that I see across it. So there's a couple of things. Some we can't even help with. It's right. production. It's sure. manufacturers aren't producing glass or baths as fast. That that's not that's not where we're going to come into play. The big thing I've seen that's taken place, I'd say, through the I'll say April through now timeframe is we saw a lot of contraction in the very first two to four weeks. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't across the entire industry, but I think everybody was in panic mode, right? Like all the uncertainty, what's going to happen. Yeah. And um, that naturally caused uh, almost a pause in buying leads in a lot of ways. Um, that was very quickly recalibrated. I want to say within within a month, like that was already back on the up. Everybody realized that you know, the earth didn't open up and swallow everybody. Yeah. Business <laughs> yeah. could resume to some extent. And the biggest thing I saw is because of the shock of COVID, what it forced companies to do is it naturally forced companies, at least in that very short window, to pull back to some extent on marketing 
and their pipeline dried up a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And this is once again, I'm generalizing across the entire industry, multi-trades. And what it forced companies to do is get more efficient at their processes, right? I think every we all did this, right? It's like, okay, well, we don't need cupcakes every Monday showing up at the office. We can get rid of the. So, I mean, everybody was just cutting stuff out. Like, what what can go? How do we run a more leaner business? Yeah. And marketing is, I think, is a great example of that. I think a lot of companies waste money on marketing. I really do. Um, because they're not doing all the other things necessary to get all that value. So we saw that contraction. And what it forced companies to do, especially a lot of our bigger clients, is they had this massive reservoir of leads, mm-hmm. right? thousands of leads customers over the years and they started to tap back into that so we started to see the reemergence of rehashing campaigns and the good old-fashioned you know not knocking on the door but kind of the dirt digital knock back to their base and right. what we saw them doing is they were doing a lot of the things that we would have preached for them to do years back which is hey like if they say no like follow up with them mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Like a no now, especially in the solar industry. This isn't like HVAC where you're getting a, a unit in 24 hours. I mean, I got solar on my house and I got it a year and a half after I moved into my property, but I got the estimate right when I moved in. So there's a really long mm-hmm. tail and we saw companies just get digging back into their, their client base. And what I saw from that is a, a, a renewed confidence of, oh, wow, we were leaving a lot of money on the table. Yeah. yeah. And no. that, I think, was a really big eye-opener. And so I, kind of this reemergence, if you will, of, well, what's our data really telling us, right? Are we being as efficient as we should be with each lead? And so what I, I started to see over the following months is that companies were not back to the level they were before in terms of buying leads. They might be you know, a third, if not half the lead volume, but they weren't losing it all out on the sale end mm-hmm. because they were starting to do a better job as that lead moved through their factory. Yeah, it's interesting so that, that you said that. That was probably the big thing I saw. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting you said that because that was some of the first communication we put out with our, our dealer partners uh, when COVID happened was mm-hmm. nurture the pipeline that you already have. It's like reach out to the people that, you know, you haven't talked to in a month, a couple months, right. half a year, who knows? And, you know, re- re-engage with them mm-hmm. and start that relationship. And that seemingly was pretty successful. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, tons, tons of money in your pipeline, tons of money. And I would argue that today with any contractor, um, there's so, I, I remember a guy, a local guy, I'll, I'll tangent you here a second. So in, in my hometown, there's not a lot of big companies we work with in, in Santa Rosa, but there, but there is one, I won't put his name out there. Um, but I've known him for years. He's been kind of on and off with us, but he's still local. I just drive up the road and like, I'm, I'm sitting in his office t- chatting with them. He runs about a 15, $20 million company. And I remember a couple years back, I ended up referring my friend to him. I knew him and he did good work. And so I won't tell you the trade because I might give it away. But anyways, my friend my friend hired him, spent like $30,000, $40,000 with them. And then some work came up on my house and I ended up hiring him as well. And so I think in total, 50000 not I mean, not huge money for his overall business size. Um, but I remember six months after I had done the work and certainly a year after my buddy, I was back in his office. And you know, we're back to the grind as to like, how do I make these numbers work? And, back, and I'm like, look, dude, I was like, this isn't complicated. You just got to start doing some of like, here's a good example. And I was like, I hired you and my buddy hired you. I got no thank you card in the mail. Right. And, I was like, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm your customer. Like, like this isn't like, I know, and, and, and maybe it slipped through the cracks. Maybe it's a one-off. Maybe that cookie was the first cookie ever stolen. Like, but the point being <laughs> is like, dude, your customer base Mm-hmm. Like send thank you notes out. Like yeah. one thank you note. Hey, Chris, even if you had known it and just maybe put your name on it. Hey, Chris, really appreciate this. I might've teed up my mother-in-law. Who mm-hmm. knows? 
Yeah. Um, so I think little stuff like that, it doesn't have to be complicated, but you got to put it to paper. You got to actually inspect whatever you expect to happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting you said that because there was one, I would call it like this was a simple change. Like, so when we went back to Jules, what's something that people could do that doesn't cost money? Mm-hmm. One thing we did was we start like when we were smaller, there was welcome calls that that would happen. And with the scaling, yeah. those seemingly they went away. Um so when we were thinking about it, it's going back to they've got so many brands thrown in their face. They don't know what's going on, who yeah. to talk to for what. So from the customer support side, we just started the welcome calls again. And it's it has done so many things in a positive light because we're welcoming the customers. We're letting them know who we are, that we're here with them. We're acknowledging them as a customer and telling them, thank you, we appreciate your business. And if you ever need anything, you come to us like we are here for you. And that's just gone over so well with um, just our customer base. It's been amazing. And it's a simple phone call. Yeah. It's easy for the sales process to get away from the customer. It's so easy. But it's so much easier to just re-implement them back in a mm-hmm. welcome call, a thank you card, you know, just something to let them know. Thank you for spending this significant amount of money with us, mm-hmm. you know, whether that's a hundred bucks or yeah. 20,000. I mean, that's m- money is important to anybody right now. And well, I mean, even before COVID, it's it's an important thing to any family. So when you're spending $20,000 on a solar system or even, you know, $500 on a, a broken window, that's hard earned money that you're putting in. You want to feel like it's appreciated. And so I feel like going back to the old school sales processes of constant touches and, and constant uh, feedback and thank yous at the end. I mean, that's that's really where a lot of businesses, I think, have a great opportunity when it comes to their sales process. You got to show how grateful you are. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. Little things go a long way with all of us. And, and I would always... You know, I read a lot and I don't know, I always kind of think of like the responsibility that the corporation has and, and Jules, you mentioned it earlier, but I, I think you disproportionately take care of your people. And, mm-hmm. you know, you were talking about stewardship to allow the the people on the front line to be able to make decisions autonomously. Mm-hmm. So one to kind of speed the process along and whatnot. And I think that's so true, but I do think it has to start at the top, right? Something as simple as a welcome call you know, if, if that was the the mentality or the values of the leaders of the corporations, I think that carries through on your first day, right? Mm-hmm. The CEO is not going to meet everybody, but man, just stop by the desk and say, hey, welcome aboard. We're glad to have you on the team, Sean. Yeah. You know, hey, we got this little package for you. you know, nothing, nothing huge, just a token. I mean, little stuff like that. That's why I, when I think of Nordstrom, I think there will be a company and, and we're starting to see a lot of acquisitions in this space. So I don't think we're too far off into the future where we're going to see some massive consolidation. It may take a decade, but it is all these industries are so fragmented. You are going to see a behemoth player come in and say, God, these guys are great at building damn, their systems are jacked up. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but they're just not in, you know, encapsulated with you know, the, the customer service that's really going to take it to the next level. And you're going to see some big players come in here and just steal the infrastructure of these guys that know how to install. And they're going to put a better packaging on the outside. And it's going to be a game changer because we all want that, right? We, and I think it's easy. I think there's tons of people out there that are willing to spend you know, five to $50,000. They just don't know how to do it. Right. It's hard to put people on your house, right? Yeah. <laughs> it is yeah. hard to give your money away sometimes. Like yeah. I, I don't I don't think once again, there are people out there that, you know, these types of improvements are are a little bit more planned, but I think there's a lot of people that just struggle to find the right connections. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to shift gears just a little bit here because uh we actually met and Jules I know had a big piece in in this too. Um you guys started a podcast, the Built Better podcast. 
And you recently did a collaboration with uh, Jules in the Solar Disruption Theory at Freedom Forever. Um, and you host this with Dom Pucci. Um, tell me about how the show came about and give me a little bit, bit of an introduction to Dom. Well, let me start with Dom. Um, Dom's great. Um, there's not a lot of people that I've been able to spend time with from the beginning of their, their career at Modernize. And just, you know, I think one of the joys you get especially as we get older in life and we start to have some of our own accomplishments, um, we tend to take more joy in seeing other people develop. Mm -hmm. So I remember Dom as a regional account manager and then he kind of moved up into the ranks to, to be the lead of that. And then, you know, he crossed over into our enterprise division and had to own accounts and then we gave him bigger accounts. And um, a lot of what Dom has done over the God, and I apologize. I don't know if it's like five or seven years. He's been with us forever. It feels like a <laughs> lifetime. And, um, but a lot of it has been client facing mm -hmm. and he's really over the last couple of years taken more of a leadership role where he now has a team underneath him. Uh, but just such a great guy. And, and, it, and I think a lot of what's made him great one, his character as a human being is, is just, I've spent a lot of time with him on the road. So he's got that very warm, hospitable Italian type feel. I mean, get Dom talking, pick the right topic. And I mean, you'll, <laughs> we're, 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 we're done forever. Uh, so he's just a great human being. And I think that translates really well into what our team does, but the built better podcast, you know, it's one of those things that, uh, <laughs> we all have ideas of things we'd like to do in life and God, it's just never, we never slow down. We're just mm. go, 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 go. And so it just got to a place where, you know, we talk about all these things we'd like to do. And, you know, probably a couple months back, uh, we, we kept bringing up this podcast mainly because there is no home improvement podcast in the space, but also because of the level and expertise we have as a group is just unparalleled in the space. And it's, I don't say that not having reference points. I say that having all the reference points in the world. I mean, my clients disclose with us the relationship to some extent they have with other marketing partners mm -hmm. and we don't do it all well. But we do a lot of things above average. And there's some things we do exceptional. Our analytics and ability to drive performance for partners is unparalleled um, to some of our competitors in the space. And so the idea with the podcast was we have all these really rich conversations, you know, very much like this, but all you have in these just by myself with a CEO chatting it up thing or a dinner with somebody. And it's just, we have this wealth of knowledge and we wanted to get it out there. Um, and we wanted to make sure that we gave a stage for the leaders of the industry. Mm -hmm. Some of these exceptional people out there. Um, Donia Tabella was on our first podcast or Carrie Jones on our recent one. And we've got some great leaders coming up, but it was just one of those things that I was like, ah, should we do it? Should we not? And I think the uniqueness of the timing is I was good as a mouthpiece. Dom loved the tech side of it. We had a content team. And so it wasn't a lot. It was like, hey, should we do this? And then everybody was like, well, I'll do that. I'll do that. And the next thing you know, like two weeks later, we got a podcast yeah. meeting, uh, which is great. The verdict's still out on it. So, uh, but, uh, but it seems to be moving along quite well. I'm a fan. I mean, you, you've got a good show. You've got a great start. And, you know, you've got what, four episodes now? Yeah, four. We'll record our fifth. Uh, I don't even think the fourth one's out yet, but we'll have our fifth and our sixth recorded here in the next week. So gotcha. we're moving along. I think we're aiming for like two, two or three a month at this point. Okay. So what's your what's your goal with this show? Like, are there any overarching goals that you'd like to to hit in the short term here? You know, th so there's a couple. Um, I think one where there's always a, a PR component to mm -hmm. it of making sure that the the brand to modernize has a, f a much farther reach. Sure. Uh, 
But in that context, the reach that I was looking for selfishly was more of how do we make modernize as more of a thought leader in the space? Mm -hmm. Guys, we sell leads and we're going to continue to sell leads. And and that's fine. I want to look at how do we add more value to our clients? And so when I think of like coaching or EPMs or our salespeople, I'm always challenging them to how do you add more value to these people? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? What would more value mean? I mean, we know what it feels like when somebody adds more value to our life, but what does that mean for you to add more value to them? And I think part of that is making sure we're asking some of the right questions to the right leaders and we're getting it out there in an open forum in which, you know, that they can ask questions. You know, part of this, you know, like I said, Jules, you know, and I, I was talking with Kerry, a president last week, and, you know, he asked me about the podcast. I mentioned you and then he asked questions about what you're doing. And then he's like, can I meet her? And so a lot of this is facilitating <laughs> connections as well. You know, and it's like, hey, if I can make, you know, two owners that don't compete, $200 million companies, they get to talk to each other and maybe learn some best practices. I think that furthers the industry. Mm -hmm. So selfishly, the intent was to be more of a thought leader. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is an element of generating uh, new customers through this. And the other selfish element here is how do we train people within our organization as well? There's, I mean, we take it for granted when we're so senior in our roles, but and we got new people we hire all the time. And how do you expedite their learning of a particular industry? And I think these podcasts are one way to do it. Yeah, we've found that the podcast is a multi-tool for sure. It, you know, it, it speaks to our dealers. It speaks to our partners. It speaks to our customers. And internally, our, our employees love it. They, they learn a little bit about something every, every time they listen. Uh, so, I mean, having a tool like that where you can speak to so many different audiences you know, in, in an hour's time, it's it's a car ride in or it's, you know, even a lunch break. Listen, um, it's it's so important to have all of this information out there, because, again, you're out there trying to educate. We're doing the same thing. Everything we do is about education. So as many people as we can get to to just, you know, tickle their ear a little bit about this one topic that they might find interesting. It's a win win. Yeah, and I'd say the last piece of that too, and and this is where we'll we'll have to wait for for the verdict to come in. But one of the things I'm pleasantly surprised with is, you know, we we don't pretend we we've got this nailed. You know, maybe our guests are not right, or our format's off a little bit, or maybe they want to see my face. Or I don't really know. I'm not a podcast guy per se. Um, but what what I do love is that for those that are not part of our organization. What I would say is like, if there's feedback, if there's topics, I'm sure you guys are the same way, but if there's ways that we could do a better job of adding value, like that's like, there is so many resources that companies have now that are dying to get like, you tell me what, what speaks to you, what yeah. moves you and, and we'll craft, I mean, I'll, we'll, we'll burn our own dollar over here to try to find ways to make your world more, you know, more meaningful and you know, share advice or feedback where you can, because I think there's a lot of companies out there that are willing to adjust an approach to make sure that they're continually adding value to their listeners. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Because with the solar disruption theory, we actually started off interviewing mostly industry leaders, but I would say more in the financial realm right. yeah. and it morphed to like you're saying, we're asking, well, what do you guys want to hear about? What do yeah. you what do you want us to talk about? So we had, you know, Solar Rights Alliance on. We just actually talked our last episode that we recorded that hasn't come out yet, but we talked about our internal safety program because safety is super important to us. And a lot of like the safety videos that exist are from the 80s, you know, right. and we're actually creating our own custom training content for yeah. our installers to make sure everyone is thinking about safety. Safety is first because, you know, it's it's easy to have a business and to only focus on making the money. Like right. that's, I think, one facet. But 
to be able to empower employees, to empower your partners, empower customers, but then also bring this educational aspect and the safety for like, so there's so many different topics that yeah. we're just so excited to talk about. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of a podcast. It's wonderful. It's, yeah, we get to have all these really great conversations and bring all these things to light that people wouldn't necessarily know about. Absolutely. And if 10 people listen, that's 10 more educated people exactly. in the world. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> it's the beginning of going viral. Exactly. <laughs> so do you have any uh, anybody lined up yet for the, for the next episodes? Yeah, we do. Um, we should have one of our, our longstanding roofing clients out of the Midwest. Um, runs a phenomenal brand, multi-state company. Uh, we'll have their president join us not in the not-too-far future. Uh, actually, the, the one we're going to be doing here on, on Thursday um, in a slightly different industry. So it'll be my first venture outside of our core trades. Okay. Uh, we're going to be dealing with kind of the, the elderly sector of home improvement, if you will, and you know, enhancing homes and, and, and really making it more of a, a a comfortable living space. So that'll be interesting. More accessibility. I yeah, we, the, you, awesome. yeah. Here's the thing guys, and I'm sure you feel the same way. We have no shortage of uh, ideas. I mean, I was throwing them out like hotcakes last week. I was like, <laughs> we should do a panel of this and that. And I was, and they're probably like, whoa, calm down over there. So, yeah, I, I think we're, I think we have got the next six, but we would like to not just get to the place where we've got great brands and leaders on there. I want to get into the weeds on some of this. I want to pull yeah. in some call center directors mm-hmm. and d- data scientist people and, and some of these other roles in the company that, you know, maybe not get as much of the limelight, but are absolutely critical to the foundation mm-hmm. of success. 100%. Any yeah. Marketing program. Yeah. So we'll be doing that in the future. That's awesome. Very exciting. Well, we look forward to hearing those. So Chris, if you have any advice for any contractor, large or small, what would that be? It's a loaded question, but give me a little bit of your insight. I don't know. I get asked a lot as to like, what should companies, especially in the home improvement space, spend the most attention on? Um, and we talked a lot about it in different ways, but I'm going to package it a little bit differently. And it's it's a hard thing for, I think, a lot of companies to do because they feel like they're doing it pretty good already. Um, and the idea of getting very good at understanding your data and understanding your customer journey. And I know they don't feel like the, the, the funnest topics to talk about all the time. And God knows if, I mean, any owner would tell me my reporting is amazing and da, 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 da. But I, I, I am mind blown, even 15 years in this industry and in dealing with some of the most sophisticated companies like in the US at the disconnect in their data. It is mind-boggling to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I don't understand how they got to be that big. And it's not to have a complete knock on these companies because there's so many things they do right, so many things. But the disconnect between, well, where did I get my lead? And how many sat? How right. many did we get on the phone? How many did we sell? You'd be surprised at how hard, how hard that is for, for companies to get. And so really getting good at the data. I was telling an owner the other day, I was like, I would make it into our annual planning that we ripped our data apart every three months and made sure like, are we building our house on stilts or on a foundation? Mm -hmm. The second piece to that, and it's really, it's a lot of the work I love that you guys have done is I don't think companies spend enough time thinking about the customer journey. Right. Mm -hmm. I really don't. I really, it is mind boggling. They are so quick to throw 100,000 here, 200,000, half a million, a million dollars. I'm like, holy moly, I have a hard time like buying a new pair of shoes. Like, <laughs> like, I, like I, I'm frivol. And like these companies will pour water after water into a bucket with holes in it. And I can't go back. I can't help but think of like, 
well, have you thought of exactly the experience you want the homeowner to have? Mm-hmm. Right. Not the ad they see on Google, but but when they call that phone number, how quickly would you like them to to, to talk to someone? Right. How, what's that process yeah. going to go from your setting to your qualifying to your, and you hear the way that they go about it. And you're like, what, what do you mean? I got to talk to three more people before I go there. And like, mm-hmm. or you'll only meet me if it's my, my, like it's, it's just mind numbing. And so, I mean, I, till, till, till I get blue in the face, I would encourage every company. And I had one company in particular that did this. I would take the biggest wall in your office and I would make it very visual what your expectation is in terms of how you guide the homeowner from the moment they see or click your phone or put in the, the website, you capture their information, all the way through getting a Christmas card three years later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and put it out there. And I think visual is important because of all of our senses, visual, out of sight, out of mind. So I would make it very obvious as to like, here's what we expect, not future state one day when we have more money, better tools today. And then I would build systems of, well, how do we know those things are happening? Mm-hmm. And the right. best one I love is, is speed to lead. You know, some companies will be like, I can't call in 30 seconds. Maybe it's an hour. They have no means to track it. And it's, and it's the old, well, if you walked in a restaurant, for those of you that have ever worked in a restaurant, Mm-hmm. I remember very clearly one of the things I was taught was when when somebody walks in, touch them in 30 seconds. Yes. Hey, mm-hmm. Jules. Yep. I'm, I'm busy. I'll be right with you. Has someone helped you already? Mm-hmm. Digital is no different. If you don't touch them, what are we going to do? Yeah. I'm going to call the next guy. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, yeah, what, what, I, have, I don't have all day in the, all the time in the world. Like, so, so that idea of really mapping out the journey and making sure that you're building in processes to actually ex- inspect what you expect, mm-hmm. I just don't see companies doing that well. And it's costing them so much money. I love that you say so. that because that's definitely something we've done here and is near yeah. and dear to my heart. Like I am one of those people that I'm whiteboard crazy. I mean, I remember yeah. <laughs> when I asked for when I first started and Brett would always show people, yes, here's here's Jules's brain on, <laughs> on a whiteboard because I would do that where you would map everything out. So you set that expectation and then you make sure you have all those touch points. That's yeah. why our portal is so important. Um, and we're looking to enhance that all the time. And to me, the, the surveys that we're putting out are so important to get that feedback, you know, so you can say, hey, this is this is the vision and this is all of the places that we should be communicating to customers like, oh, like when they get the install, if it's two weeks in between now and when someone comes out to inspect it, we should be reaching out to them and saying, hey, yeah. we haven't forgot about you. We're, you know, we're just waiting for fill in the blank, right. you know, and then to be able to serve the the feedbacks. Hey, how was that call with this customer mm-hmm. support rep? Do you feel like you were supported? And to get that information and, you know, and then to act on it is so critical. Absolutely. I'm in the middle of a move right now and I did a, you know, a lead form for a mover and I got two calls within maybe 10 minutes and then they trickled in over the next few days. I won't even give the other ones a time, the time of day. I mean, mm-hmm. the two people that called me within that 10, 15 minute time frame, that's who's getting my business because they cared enough to, to set up a process where they're contacting me as soon as I need the information. And that's mm-hmm. when I needed it 15 minutes later. So. <laughs> and, and that's the hard part about the industry because, and, and this happens to me all the time. And, and this is once again, this is no knock on, on the quality of the products that we all put in there. Cause I know a lot of, of, of companies out there use phenomenal products and have phenomenal people out there that are doing the installation. Um, but what I've come to learn over the years, and there was a, this, uh, this speaker, Patrick Winston, and I, I just watched his, it was a communication video. 
And I loved what he said because I think this applies greatly to residential contractors. And once again, this is speaking about communication here. Mm-hmm. And he said, your success in life is determined largely by your ability to speak, your ability to write, and the quality of your ideas in that order. And when I think of contractors, it, it is I think of that a lot too because your product is important. And for some people, it may be the driver. But your ability to communicate with people mm-hmm. and to build a connection and to give a good experience dominates your product. In a lot of ways, that is your product. And so I think for contractors, there's been so much focus over the years of how do I use the best labor? and How do mm-hmm. we use the best materials? And, and by no means, we don't want corners cut on that. But I think there has been corners cut on to the well, what do we do when we get the lead? How do we make that as frictionless as possible? Yeah. And I think if, if companies that have these behemoth budgets allocated a position or two that was truly focused on the design of that experience, yeah. I think what the people would see over the long haul is that whatever they pay that person, 50 or $100,000 a year, is more than made up in the additional revenue you'll capture from the same leads you are already getting, but they're just being worked more effectively. Mm-hmm. Right. That's awesome. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to talk to us today. It was, this was a great conversation. Absolutely. Yeah, no, you guys are awesome. Like hopefully we'll, we'll do a round two. I would love to do a round two. Yeah. We'll have to figure out some timing on that. That I I really enjoyed this, this chat. And I think that, you know, when it comes back to, cause we'll always talk about customer experience. That's always going to be on our show. I mean, we talk about it every episode. Um, I feel like it's something we can always come back to and you get you share that same passion for the customer experiences we do so i'd love to expand on that a little bit more well i'll show you this real quick and I yeah know yours won't see this but uh but i know uh, jules will get a kick out of this we talk about like whiteboards yeah. oh my gosh <laughs> on whiteboard. i've got like five of those you're my so. you're oh, seriously man. my twin yes. i think we share a soul because yes. that is literally what my walls always look like <laughs> I used to put it in PowerPoint and then I moved to these giant boards and I love it because my brain, I'm always moving ideas around and people come in my office and they look and they're like, the hell is going on here? And you I'm make, like, you make me feel like, like I'm not the only one. Like you've just validated my brain. I think we feel less crazy now. <laughs> no, we've actually uh, taken... Yeah, no, I've taken that board and we actually put together the customer experience in like a PDF form. And we have that for all of our employees to see. We also have that for our dealer partners to see. So they see how we're communicating with customers. But yeah, it was funny. I needed a team to take my board and put it into an actual presentation. That's a true story. But it took a team to master my brain. It's it's, it's crazy. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. Can you imagine if whiteboards were around when... uh when Einstein was, was around, oh. I mean, he had chalkboards and everything, but they weren't as portable as, as they are now. I mean, there would be a whole room of markers. I mean, just ceiling, floor to ceiling markers. Well, it's funny. <laughs> we were walking in and we were having this conversation about toys. Yeah. And I was like, I was trying to think back. I'm like, I don't think I actually played with toys. I was all about my crayons and markers. Uh, yeah. Like all yeah. I would do is doodle and color things and draw. Like, I think that's, that's just second nature to me. I yes. have to have a whiteboard, otherwise I don't know how to communicate. <laughs> <laughs> I hear so you. I, I feel the same way, Jules. <laughs> That's great. Well, awesome. Well, uh, if there's nothing else, I can close it out. If Is there anything else you wanted to add? 
No, this has been great, guys. I really appreciate it. Cool. We'll close it out. So on that note, our time is up for this episode. Chris, it was such an honor to meet you and, and speak with you today. We'll definitely get together for a round two at some point soon. Um, to learn more about Modernize, head over to Modernize.com. And don't forget to check out the Built Better podcast on Apple and Spotify. For everything you need to know about Freedom Forever and the Solar Disruption Theory podcast, visit SolarDisruptionTheory.com. Also, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and help us share this podcast with the solar lover in your world. On behalf of Jules, Chris, and myself, thanks so much for listening to the Solar Disruption Theory podcast. We'll talk to you soon.